We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish, here as always with my resourceful co-host, Rohan Kadi, on the heels of a Bucks 117-114 thriller win over the Brooklyn Nets. Some people, a lot of people actually, uh, saying this was one of the best games of the NBA season thus far. Because the Bucks won a close game against a great team, I am inclined to agree Rohan, how's it going? I, I could not be better right now. That was an incredible <laughs> game. Just take away the fact that, you know, we are a Bucks driven podcast, obviously. Yes. Just on a level of basketball, that was incredible. We saw two absolute heavyweight teams going at it, with each with a player that wanted to dominate the game and did dominate for their respective teams. The Bucks came out on top of this one, but my goodness, it's looking more likely that this might be a playoff matchup, and it's going to be a nail-biter, but also insanely entertaining. Yeah, man, I can't wait for it. You know what, and as Seb here in the comments saying, seeing them two players go at it was unreal. KD is on a different level. I think my, it, for sure, true, um, KD was, was terrific, but... I think my my biggest, like, most poignant big-picture takeaway from the second half of this game was, and I don't want to be one of those Bucks fans who's like, you can't criticize the Bucks because they're good and relevant, and that doesn't always happen. So just take whatever happens as, as a blessing. I'm not like that, but but the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks have a guy who can go toe-to-toe with Kevin freaking Durant and outplay him on the way to a win is, like, incredible. And I think that's something – we probably do take for granted from time to time, take for granted countertops. But the fact that the Bucks have this guy Giannis and he is this good, 49 points, eight rebounds, four assists, one steal, three blocks, just one turnover and just two fouls in 36 minutes. It's incredible. Like what an unbelievable feeling to watch this guy cook. One of Giannis's best games ever, I think. And I mean, he was just incredible. Yeah, for sure. Let's just talk straight straight up. This was a playoff-type game, right? Yeah. Straight off the bat. One thing I've been worried about with this team recently is that they just have not been showing up. And we've, we've talked about this. We've chronicled this. They blew a game to the Hawks. They let Kevin Porter Jr. drop 50 on their heads and a loss to the Rockets. It's been rough. But the last two times we've seen them show up, 
It's been against Philly. It's been against Brooklyn. So we now know that this team actually does show up for these big-time matchups. They do have that uh, switch they can flip, and they will flip it when the matchup comes. And we, we saw that. That was on full display tonight. Everyone on the team, except for a few players, which we'll talk yeah, about, we'll get were we'll very get locked in. One in particular, I'm sure everyone already knows who it is. Yeah. Um, it was it was a stellar team performance, and it was just it was incredible. Yeah, I think what what really stands out, and we should say, um, and we just got in the comments, you know, Harden Harden was out for this game, so that's worth noting. And I think the other and Bobby Portis. Yeah, so that that basically cancels out right there, uh, in my opinion. No, I'm just just kidding. But also, the one other I will say somewhat fluky thing for Brooklyn is Joe Harris one for five from deep, and a lot of those were like pretty good looks. I, I think the Bucks got a little lucky there. But on the other hand, here the, you mentioned the negatives. The fact that the Bucks go toe to toe with even without Harden, the Nets still have freaking KD, Kyrie Irving, all these other players. Blake looked really good. DeAndre Jordan. I mean, he got absolutely demolished, toasted, full aid by Giannis, but still was contributing a bit on the offensive end. Uh, okay, let's not give them too much credit there. DeAndre Jordan was a traffic code on defense. That is a very net negative on the court. Let's let's not go. Oh over yeah, I'm not saying that. he's a net positive. I'm just saying I'm, I'm I'm just talking about scoring contributions right now. Okay. A really good game from Landry Shamit. Like the Nets have a lot of players who can score, right? It's not just KD and and Kyrie, even with Harden out, which is which is remarkable. The Bucks getting four total points from two fifths of their starting lineup and still beating all those scores is remarkable. And you know there was I think a lot of Brooke Lopez negativity on the timeline. I get it. He missed some very makeable shots. The fact that they only lost his minutes by two, despite him being 0 for three from deep. This guy got six blocks. It wasn't a great Brooke Lopez game, but I think the Bucks just needed 25 minutes out of him without Portis and with PJ Tucker and. Severe foul trouble, which he perpetually is. He's not used to this Bucks whistle yet. I thought he held up well enough. But Dante, on the other hand, zero points, zero for five from the field. I actually thought defensively and on the boards, one of Dante's better games. We got Mikhail in the chat going, what is going on with Dante? I thought defensively he brought it in this game. The stat sheet really not showing it. It says no steals, one block. I thought he, I thought he forced a couple turnovers in this game, but offensively, Literally zero. One assist, 0 for 5 from the field. You just can't have that. I don't know, Rohan. I think the, our Bryn Forbes, I'll say R now, because I know on the uh, Trust Pod you were higher on Bryn than me, so it can be our co-take now. Our Bryn should start take is gaining some traction, I think. It really is. I was very disappointed to see Dante DiVincenzo out there in the closing minutes of the game. I, really I think was. it was just. I think it was defensive rebounding. I will say eight boards, eight boards for Dante. I thought it was a good. Okay, a couple uh, of them were stolen. But. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm, most of them were just like a lot of his rebounds. He jumped super high, but like you look and there's no one within ten foot feet of the rebound. It's just like, all right, I mean, that was impressive, but probably not entirely. Some Robin Yount falling over on the catch theatrics from Dante on some of the rebounds. I will say that. For sure, for sure. So like, I don't want to complete it completely discredit that because he did have like a good defensive energy he was playing solid defense I wouldn't say he was a negative on the defensive end whatsoever I will say just the offense and him being out there in general in that game when Bryn Forbes was just flat out outplaying him and not even getting cooked defensively like that Bryn Forbes was not a negative on the defensive end of the court tonight. So there was, it wasn't really a valid reason to say, oh, he's going to get picked apart defensively. And that's why he shouldn't be out there at the end of the game. No, like he was fine, but I, he was, still was out there. Dante was, and I, I was just disappointed in that. Yeah. As nice as it was to not see Lopez closing, just because, you know, as much credit as I gave him for just fighting to basically survive, which is, that's the Brooke Lopez experience from the Nets, or versus the Nets. He has to fight to survive out there. Um, early in the fourth quarter, I think it was, he was just in a position where he couldn't do that anymore. Like, they were isolating pick and pops uh, with him covering Blake every single possession and just generating wide-open looks. It just wasn't tenable. So seeing Brooke not out there to close made me feel good, but I do agree, seeing Dante get 30 minutes in this game, despite, again, just adding nothing on offense, was kind of a tough pill to swallow. He basically, he was basically Thanasis tonight, uh, except probably more shot attempts than Thanasis would have taken. But that was the impact that Dante had, right? Like rebounding, 
one assist, some good play on defense. Like, he basically gave you what Thanasis gives you, which we've been high on Thanasis for, you know, the role that he plays. We would not be high on Thanasis if the Bucks started him. So that's just a huge issue. And the fact that the Bucks won anyway is great. You know, we're not trying to be the negative Bucks podcast or whatever else. Just think it's worth pointing out, trying out somebody else in that starting five, probably worth a shot just based on, I mean, I don't know if we can call it a slump anymore. Dante's had some offensive question marks outside of the one explosive game against Memphis or whatever for the past several weeks. It's just been a problem. But maybe we should talk about some of the other stuff. Let's let's bounce around. We already chatted some about Giannis. Let's, What's let's, another... let's talk about Giannis some more. Yeah. We deserve to. That was incredible. That was absolutely incredible. I know I've been talking about this. I've been a little down on this. I'll call you out here on this time, oh. uh, uh, for saying for me saying, "Oh, what is Brooklyn going to do to respond to Milwaukee defensively?" Yeah, when, yeah, like yeah. the big question is like, "Oh, always framed in the sense, oh, how is Giannis going to slow down, or how is Milwaukee going to slow down Brooklyn?" Well, how is Brooklyn going to slow down Milwaukee? And, and that was on full display tonight, given the opposite was also on full display tonight. <laughs> but my point was still valid. <laughs> Giannis just torched the entire team. No matter who was in front of him, whether it was DeAndre Jordan, whether it was Blake Griffin, whether it was sometimes Kevin Durant for like a possession, even though he was hashtag scared. It was, uh, sorry, Katie, don't get at me. Ooh, um, oh. I, I did not mean that. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get some tweets later. It might be from a burner. Might be from the man, the account himself. We'll see. KD Trey Five is or whatever it is, is popping up in in Rohan's mentions a little bit. <laughs> we'll see. But the Nets have no answer for Giannis. That is clear. That has been clear in terms of theoretically looking on paper. Oh, who's going to be out there to defend Giannis? Like your, their options are DeAndre Jordan, the ghost of Blake Griffin, and whatever. And Jeff uh, Jeff Green's been Jeff Green's been solid this season but those three are just not an answer to defend the two-time reigning MVP that's just that's not going to work out and we saw that like Giannis is going to get his own we've seen other guys like Embiid just absolutely destroy this Brooklyn Nets defense and that is the Achilles heel of this Brooklyn Nets team is their defense how are they going to necessarily you know keep up with their offensive output it's like you can only score so many points in a game and especially when a team like Milwaukee can meet them at that level, but can also defend, and Brooklyn cannot defend at all, in terms of like you know Milwaukee's best players, that's where the Bucks won this matchup. Yeah, I mean, I got to give you credit. The Nets they clearly just have nothing for uh, for Giannis, and that's one of the one of the areas where Harden being there, not being there, doesn't matter. Like we all know, as stout of a post defender as he became, I just I love that. The, the narrative was shifted from him as a bad defender to, like, him. Like, oh, he's good at standing and, and being stocky is basically Harden as a plus post defender. Whatever. Don't have to get into that right now. Um, you're right, though. There, there's no answer for Giannis. And I think the interesting thing about the Nets and, and defending Giannis in a potential playoff series, and this is something there was a, a conversation about uh, on Twitter. Follow myself and Rohan and the podcast at Ty Windish, at Arcadi Jr., at Eurostep Podcast. But, you know, I saw a couple of people kind of posing the question, you know, where is the barrier, right? Like, why why is Brooklyn not, you know, are they going to build a barrier? Is that their option? Is that is that the play? Uh, they, the answer is they, they can't really, right? Like, I, I think it just became something that was talked about is so easy to do because Miami and Toronto were so good at doing it, to stop be honest. But the real thing is it's not like, any defense out there. Like, not every team can do that. It's not like an option, right? Like, you can't just select, like, oh, we're going to make it impossible for Giannis to score. It, it doesn't work. It especially doesn't work when he's hitting these jumpers. And there's Nets fans who seem pretty hurt uh, in the comments right now. <laughs> That's fine. Take the L uh, with some grace, please. But uh, nah, was, you uh, can, yeah, yeah. It, just, just be nice about it. But you can't, you can't build a barrier without, like, a, a, multiple two, three more than that, good, strong, big defensive players. And that's been the formula that we've seen work against the Bucks when it was Miami and Toronto. The Nets just don't have that. They don't have enough guys. I mean, you need multiple all-defensive-level players to execute a scheme like Toronto and Miami did. Brooklyn has zero. They also just don't zero. have size. Like, they're not going to... 
like the, do you think about the teams that did it well? It was like a big forward defender on Giannis and then a, a really strong defensive center behind that player, right? Like Jay Crowder on Giannis, Bam Adebayo lurking to help. Um, you know, uh, whoever's the, whatever person the, the, uh, Raptors are throwing out, either Siakam or Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi freaking and, Leonard. <laughs> yeah. And Mark Gasol behind to help. The Nets are never going to play big enough, I don't think, to have those kind of defensive players. Like, they're, they didn't have Nick Claxton. Sure. They're not going to play Claxton and DeAndre Jordan, right? Like, that's just not how their lineups are going to work. They're going to play some of these smaller players because they're so good offensively. You're not going to sit. You know, Harden, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, even Kevin Durant, who I just is a good defender, but I don't think is up to taking on a ton of possessions of Giannis or vice versa. I mean, I think both teams are going to avoid going to that matchup until at least late in the game. I think the Bucs are comfortable just not using Giannis as the primary on KD ever and just having him lurk, which I think works. But I don't think the Nets have the personnel to build the barrier well. And if they tried it, the Bucks this season have more shooters to take advantage of that kind of defense. Exactly. It also hampers the Nets offensively because it allows the Bucks to just leave more defenders and load up on their big three. So yeah. that's another problem that Brooklyn will run into if they try to play like these super big lineups. Like you're not worried about a guy like Blake Griffin. You're not. You're gonna in the playoffs. You're gonna leave Nick Claxton wide open. That's just gonna happen, and that's probably the right decision. <laughs> Definitely is. It definitely yeah. is. You you need to send multiple bodies to KD. I have been very impressed with how the Bucks have defended Kevin Durant so far this season. I mean, um, yes. Well, also we'll say Kevin Durant, uh, forty-two points, uh, yeah. sixteen of thirty-three from the field. If you can hold KD to forty-two points on thirty-three shots, that's a good night for you because Kevin Durant is a freaking monster. Like, I was getting genuinely scared. He felt like Thanos when I was watching that game. He is a killer. Kevin Durant scares me for this Bucks team more than any other player in the league. I Yeah, he's, probably, he's probably the best offensive player ever. There's only so much you can do. You're never going to hold KD to 2-for-11 shooting, right? Like, that, that doesn't happen to KD. He's just way too good. But if you can make him work, you can get into him on the catch point. That's that's the only time I see KD consistently miss shots. If you are in his body from the moment he catches the ball to the moment the shot goes up. If you you rotate over to Kevin Durant and you're right in his face closing out, it does not matter. Like, he can still make that shot because he can shoot over literally anyone. But you can disrupt him if you stay physical and get into his chest a little bit. And we saw it on display. 42 points on 33 shots is still really good. Don't get me wrong. But again, it's Kevin Durant. <laughs> it's Kevin Durant. That's what you can do. The Nets still lose his minutes by eight. He plays 40 minutes in this game, and the Nets lose them by eight. He also has five turnovers compared to two assists. The Bucks got after him. They need to keep doing that. He did shoot a little unseasonably well from three, above 50%, seven from 13. Again, he's Kevin Durant, and he can just do that. I think I think even the, the points to shots on KD – they, they, they make him look a little better than I think he probably felt about this game. I the Bucks did a really good job, and I think it shows in, in the, the outcome, right? They win his minutes, and they win the game. For sure, and especially this is where P.J. Tucker comes into play. We saw a lot of different players guard KD in this game. We saw Drew Garden. We saw Chris Garden. We saw P.J. Garden. We saw Giannis Garden. We did not see Pat Connison or Dante Garden, which I thought was very, very, very good uh, because I get it's Kevin Durant. He will score on anyone. But why make it insanely easy for him by putting Dante and Pat on it? But we did not see that, which is not the case in the first matchup when these two teams played. So I thought that was a good thing. But Milwaukee just kept switching it up. They didn't let any one defender just get worn out by KD. I guess P.J. Tucker picked up five fouls and was sort of getting worn out. But that's what he's there to do. He's not having a massive offensive impact. He's there to go hit corner threes. A guy like Drew Holiday, a guy like Chris Middleton, and obviously a guy like Giannis, those guys also need to produce on the offensive end. They need to create. So they can't use all of their energy guarding Kevin Durant on the defensive end, which is why you switch those matchups every every so often. So one guy doesn't just get completely worn out. So I thought the Bucks did a great job in sort of rotating defenders on Kevin Durant today. And that sort of that sort of flowed into who was guarding Kyrie Irving because of Drew Holiday is guarding Kevin Durant who's guarding Kyrie. So you put another guy on him, and this is going to be especially difficult when uh, – James Harden comes back because he's just another guy. It's like, oh, 
we need to guard him too. Um, but I thought the Bucks did a great job. We'll see what happens when the Nets' big three is healthy. If the Nets' big three is ever healthy, hopefully they are. Yeah, uh, and but we, we shall fasting. see. Yeah, that also sure. plays a role. Kyrie, I think, is currently fasting for uh, for Ramadan. So uh, I saw a, a few people speculate might have a, a little bit less in the tank because of that, which makes sense. But um, yeah, but still we have also we've also seen Kyrie Irving against the Bucks in the playoffs. So yeah, exactly. That's I think I tweeted that at one point, like. We've seen Kyrie try to win games by himself on teams with great offensive players around him, and it's gone really well for the Bucs in the playoffs before. So I do think basically what happened with this game and Kyrie is probably... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is that's the formula for the Bucks winning this series. I think is like make KD work as hard as possible for he's gonna get. Don't leave any role players too wide open, but you're gonna have to leave them sort of open. That's just life against this Nets team. And really, like I think you always want to have Kyrie in signal coverage and just like make him think the the game is four straight Kyrie threes away from being a Nets victory, and then hope he doesn't do it. And he might do it, but. You have to hope he doesn't do it. That's just life when you play against, uh, you know, a super team. Um, I want to answer a question that had been asked in the chat a little while ago from Seb. Can you guys talk about how we should match up with the Nets' big three in the playoffs? We were kind of already talking about this. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. I just want to mention, Chris Middleton's defense on Durant was really impressive to me in this game. I thought overall, at at point, I mean, it's Kevin Durant, but I think overall I thought he played... I really, I think this was the best two-way Chris Middleton game I've seen probably since the first month of the season. I thought he was bringing it on offense. I thought he was bringing it on defense. And he was rebounding. 11 rebounds for Chris in this game. I wonder when the last time he had double-digit rebounds. I think it's not entirely a coincidence that the Bucks win his minutes by 12 points, the highest plus-minus for any player in this game. I thought he did well on KD overall. I thought he did well. And... I don't know. I just, I, I think there's something to that being, like you said, I think it's going to be rotational on Durant, but I do think Chris Middleton deserves some more shots at that matchup just because personally, I don't think Giannis on KD over a series is a good idea. No, it's really not. You need to get a guy like Chris Middleton in there, a guy like Drew Holiday in there. Like KD himself has said that Drew Holiday is the best player to guard him in the league. Like, that's coming from KD himself. So I'm not sure if anyone else thinks that they know better. But uh, we we shall see. Uh, but even in years past, when KD was on the Warriors and we saw those Bucks Warriors matchups, Chris Middleton was the guy who was guarding Kevin Durant. And given they did not have Drew Holiday at that point, so you know your options were more limited. But Chris Middleton has always been a guy who's been up to that matchup to guard Kevin Durant, and we've seen him have varying levels of success. Again, he's not going to contest every shot. He's not going to play great defense every possession. He's not going to – even if he plays good defense, it still might not matter. Like, that's just what happens. 
Like, but Chris Middleton, if anyone is up to the task, like he can be up to the task in spurts. I will emphasize that in spurts because KD will wear out any other defender who tries to guard him the entire game. That's why it needs to be a rotation, for sure. Um, I thought Drew and, honestly, Dante was all right on Kyrie as well. Bryn Forbes had a small spell, and he wasn't that bad. I don't know how much Bryn Forbes are going to see. I hope we see more. But um, I think what was important for the way the Bucks, and I think the, the true answer, Seb, to your question is, like, probably a steady rotation of pretty much every plus or close-to-plus defender on the roster, really across all three guys, like, I think you'll see times when Drew guards all three guys to start. I think you'll see times when P.J. Tucker takes at least probably KD and Harden to start some possessions. And obviously there's going to be a ton of switching in this series. But I think it's going to be about a lot of a lot of different defenders giving them a lot of different looks. But I think the overall important thing is to not give up open threes, keep the guys in front of you, and not foul. KD took four free throws. Kyrie took two free throws in this game. Those two guys combining for six free throws is absolutely massive for the Bucs. Like, if you can keep the the other players in front of you, make them shoot over you. Listen, sometimes they're going to hit the shots. That is the the devil of trying to play against a KD, James Harden, Kyrie Irving team. Like, there's only so much you can do. But if you cannot foul, don't reach in the cookie jar, make them shoot over you, no matter who is rotating on who. I think the Bucks will at least give themselves a chance, which is, again, probably the best you can do against Brooklyn. Although, you're starting to win me over with this. The Nets just will never stop Giannis point that you keep making. Yeah, for sure. We even saw it at points with Brooke Lopez. Like, yeah. Even though he had a rough start to the game, and like it wasn't an incredible game by any standards for Brooke Lopez. But he still, like, he still makes a difference down there. Like He's still tapping out rebounds. He's still affecting shots, like you said. How many blocks do you have? Five blocks. Five, five blocks. Yeah. It's just he makes a difference of it because this Brooklyn team, they, they just don't have the size. They really don't. And uh, speaking of defense, I wanted to maybe transition to this a little bit. We saw, for the first time in a little bit, we saw the Bucks just go small immediately. Immediately when Brooke Lopez was having a bit of trouble, given they did not have Bobby Portis. So that was, you know, maybe helping the decision. But we saw PJ Tucker out there and they were immediately switching everything. Everything. One through four uh, when Brooke Lopez was on the court and then one through five. Even at later points in the game when Brooke Lopez came back into the game, they were switching from the get go and they did not really stop doing that. Because, this, again, this team has a lot of good shooters. You can't really give them any sort of space or go over screens because they'll just hit mid-rangers in your face. So that's the best uh, defense you can really play on them. And they did it. They did it. Credit to them. Credit to the coaching staff. They went out there and they played the best defensive strategy they could. They employed it, I should say. And it worked to varying degrees. Yeah. Yeah, I just think, I think at the end of the day, the Bucks have a pretty good game plan for Brooklyn calibrated. I mean, the first game, pretty much close until the very end. This game, the same way. They go one and one. I think it's, and of course, regular season series don't necessarily say anything about the postseason, but I do think the fact that both of these games are pretty tight. I know Brooklyn was missing players both times. Not much the Bucks can do about that. Brooklyn is almost always missing players. That's just been how their season has gone. But I think the fact that the Bucks have been able to play them tight kind of speaks to having a good grip on what you need to do against this Nets team overall. Like, you need to keep scoring, because even if you play great defense, like we've mentioned a few times, it just might not matter. Brooklyn is that special of an offensive team. But you need to keep scoring, limit KD as much as possible, and then just, you know, everyone else, not the non-great defenders on the team, the non-Drews and P.J. Tuckers and Giannis's, just need to step up and play well. You know, probably defending bigger assignments than you would like them to just because that's what this Nets team is. And that's the recipe to win. I, I do think Giannis as a help defender is probably the move here just because I think that is going to make it harder on KD. If Giannis is the second guy he sees, that's really tough. Um, and I, someone just needs to, to help on KD on almost every shot you can. Like Dante blocked him from the blind side once. That was pretty nice. Um, they, you just need to make KD's life hard. But I think you really, you're just asking so much from every player on defense in this series. And I thought it was a great sign for the Bucks that it felt to me at least like pretty much every player stepped up 
as much as you could hope on the defensive end. The offense, certainly not. And Bobby Portis was sorely missed. Nine guys play, five of them score four or less points. Like, that is not a tenable outcome over a seven-game series. Um, but defensively, I think pretty much everyone ah, – Pat wasn't very good. But almost everyone stepped up and played great defense for a lot of this game, and it made a huge difference. Yeah, and it, even Pat had his moments, I'll say that. Like, he had a good post defense on Jeff Green for some reason because Brooklyn decided to ISO Jeff Green in the post on a possession with KD on the floor, which is just a wild decision. Did you remember that possession? That was sort I was of, watching yeah. that, and I was just like, what on earth is going on here? It's like those possessions we – lament where Chris and Drew and uh, Giannis are on the court and then Dante just pulls up into a contested mid-ranger off a screen like what, what are you what are you doing block. yeah yeah I think uh there's some big Spider-Man pointing meme energy with Nash and Bud I think yeah for sure we have not seen uh Steve Nash as a coach uh at all so we have no sample on him in terms of postseason play but again I don't want to doubt him before he's even made an appearance um yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny you point out that only uh, four players on the team scored over four points. I did not realize that uh, <laughs> at all. It's wild. The Bucks points totals. Giannis 49, Chris 26, Drew 18. I think I think you, we just saw, like, I think Drew will have better offensive games against Brooklyn, but I think this man was just exhausted based on what he did defensively. Um, the fact that Bucks, no one played more than 36 minutes, and they still won. It's kind of impressive, given how hard Brooklyn played and KD played 40. I would hope that at least Chris and Drew would play more than 36 in a playoff series, but I, we'll see there, hopefully. But I think Drew is just a little exhausted from the defensive impact. I think he will have better games, but I do think he just looked a little gassed on offense and missed some makeable shots. But he, he's third with 18. Then Bryn Forbes with 12 on, you know, four for seven shooting. And then, yeah, the – the fifth leading scorer on the team is Brooke Lopez with four. Then Pat and PJ both had three, and Pat's was like at the very end of the game. Uh, it was Jeff a big team, time shot, though. It was a huge <laughs> shot. It was. It, it doesn't count less, but it, like for most of the game, scoreless. Um, Jeff Teague with two, and Dante with zero in 30 minutes, which is certainly we already covered it. I won't go into it again, but certainly the most concerning low point total out of everybody was uh, Dante there with two, but. Yeah, uh, quick news, Jeff Teague uh, left the game with an abdominal strain. Hopefully nothing serious there. I didn't I didn't really notice an injury. I didn't think he was playing particularly well during the game, but don't think he was – I didn't notice him get hurt, but apparently something happened that I don't know. We don't really have any info on that right now, but I would assume it's not something too serious. Yeah, hopefully not. He did not have a great game at all. He, we didn't mention him. Uh, not the best showing from uh, – from uh, Jeff T. I forgot his name for a second, um, but I, there was a point. There's a point in the game when uh, when Dante had the ball in his hands, bringing the ball up the court. I was like, "Oh no, we're not doing this again, are we?" And then five seconds later, uh, Drew was subbed in for Dante, and I was like, "Thank you, bud." Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, unfortunate about the Jeff T. news. Hopefully, it's nothing too bad. An abdominal strain? Is that what you said it was? I, I think so. Uh, Eric name tweeted it, so if I got that wrong, my bad. Um, um, might have misremembered, but it was something. I thought it was something abdominal. Uh, okay, so it might have just gotten like hit on a drive. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would, I would hope and assume it's something relatively minor like that. But again, I'm certainly, I'm not a doctor. Rohan on his way, but neither of us have, uh, you know, inside info on whatever's going on with Jeff Green right or Jeff T. Excuse me, <laughs> uh, right at the moment. Jeff Green would be fun to have. Yeah, it's a abdominal strain. I went and checked. Okay, I think perfect. My, my last note on him before we go on is like, I think it's good that he's methodical when he has the ball in his hands and he'll kind of like get into the heart of the defense a little bit and find an open shooter and all that. But I think he's too methodical sometimes, especially. Just shoot your open shots, Teague. Like, that's really – it drives me crazy. There was another one in this game where he catches the ball and has a good look from the elbow behind the three-point arc. I don't know if that makes sense, but go back farther behind the elbow. The wing. Until the wing, thank you. The wing three. Doesn't take it. And then, like, dribbles to the corner and tries to step back on KD from three. Like, come on. That's not your shot, man. Take the open one or dribble in and find somebody else. But really – just always take the open one. I think that's going to be important for Teague, and I was bummed he didn't take that one, but he only plays 11 minutes, and again, he's apparently uh, suffering from some sort of ailment. So hopefully 
he is back to either frustrate us or hopefully not frustrate us, but hopefully either way he's back soon. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, what do you want to tackle next to you, Todd? Um, should we dive deeper into Drew Holiday? Sure. So you mentioned uh, he didn't have the greatest offensive performance, and we've been seeing that a little bit lately from Drew. He's just not been uh, just a, like a classic 20-point-per-game score recently, and it's just it's not very efficient shooting. Like he was 7 of 16 from the field tonight for 18 points, 3 of 8 from the 3. However, however, he did manage to get, you know, forces. He had a steal block, uh, five rebounds. Like, that's just, you know, basic counting stats. But his defensive impact cannot be overlooked whatsoever. This man went from, okay, I'm going to guard Kevin Durant now, to, okay, I have a break from Kevin Durant now. I'm going to go make life for Kyrie Irving uh, very, very difficult. And that is what I'm going to do uh, for the entirety of the game on the defensive end. Oh, yeah, also, I should probably do some stuff on the offensive end, too, which is, you know, why that sort of, you know, falters a little bit. It's not very efficient. He missed some layups. Man was clearly gassed. But you also have Chris Middleton Giannis. Giannis clearly uh, 49 points, you know, great offensive performance. Chris Middleton, 26 points. So it's sort of like, okay, we can we can live with Drew not having the greatest offensive output of all time. But he's still out there making plays on the offensive end. He's getting extra possessions off the defensive board, or excuse me, offensive rebounds. He's, you know, he's making an impact and he's making right passes. Even if sometimes that right passes, okay, I have Giannis here. I'm going to get him the ball because he's clearly going to score. So, you know, that's still the right play. That's something that, you know, previous regime uh, backcourt I'm trying so hard not to say it right now no uh, I know I know uh, every every game every game he takes some some flag I saw a couple I, I'm not gonna about, I'm not gonna say it but yeah let's not say it it's it's very easy to see how Drew Holiday sort of plays within the flow of the game and doesn't try to take it over on the offensive end when he clearly did not have it tonight and he's like okay this guy has it he has it let's get it to him and let's make it easier for him. Let's, you know, get a good screen set. We'll all create so he can take a good shot. That's what Drew Holiday brings on the offensive end. Even if he's not making his, all of his buckets, he's still going to set guys up. And that's very important. In addition to playing otherworldly defense, like my goodness, Kyrie Irving is maybe one of the, has one of the best handles in league history. One of the best finishers at the rim for a point guard in league history. Man is a menace with the basketball in his hands. Drew Holiday made him just just look like, oh my God, what am I doing out here? Do I know how to dribble a basketball? <laughs> like that's the level of what Drew Holiday can do to Kyrie Irving, and also guard Kevin Durant. Like it's just it's un it, it, it's very, I don't know what's going on outside right now. I apologize for the noise. <laughs> I, I it's. It's very easy to see why Drew Holiday is billed by players and everyone in the league as one of the greatest defenders in the league, if not the greatest at his position. Yeah, I think you make a good point about feeling out the way the rest of the guys are going on offense, the, the you know the big three guys at least. I, I do I do wonder like if Chris isn't as on in this game. I mean, the Bucks probably lose, but I do wonder if that were to happen if then maybe Drew is trying to force more shots and, and just put up more points himself on offense, or that because Giannis was unguardable and Chris Middleton for large stretches was unguardable as well, if because of those things, Drew was like, you know what, I will let those guys shoot a punch because they are making everything. I will imp- I will use almost all of my energy on the defensive end and just take what I can get offensively. would like to see... Some of those clutch free throws go down. I feel like I, I got to pull up the numbers or, or go check the, the play-by-play or something. I feel like there's been a couple times in recent games when Drew has missed two of two in important moments. I do a little, little worried that that could be an issue at some point later. The Bucks and, and free throw misses is uh, a couple that I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of. It's like Brad Jolino. I'm not, I'm not high on that. Would rather not Did that just have that happen. What, are you, the, what, are you, what is going on? I probably should have gone with something more modern, like <laughs> Davidson and Ariana Grande, but whatever the case may be, Even that was not like a huge fan. Ago. But sorry, I'm old, Rohan. I don't know what you want from me, but the Bucks shot 6 for 12 from free throw, which is not great. They're nearly as good from the field as they are from the charity stripe. That could be very good if they were shooting like 80% from the field. It's not very good when they're shooting 50% from the charity stripe. Luke brings up 
a good point that we should talk about. I'm glad we're getting to it not right off the bat to not be too negative, although we did go in on Dante. But Luke says that Bosch's last play is becoming an issue too. Let's talk about this. The, uh, the, the Giannis fake cut to the rim and then circle back to screen for Chris, but he was too late by the time he got there and Kyrie had poked the ball out and Chris had to take kind of a, a prayer over there, the outstretched arms of, I believe, Jeff Green. How is the, the, the thing there to not just run the Chris Giannis pick and roll? You got Kyrie on Chris and Blake Griffin on Giannis. Like, that is the exact situation and personnel you want involved in the play. They're not great positional defenders at this point in their careers. Although Kyrie, I will say, had a hell of a defensive game. I gotta give props to what do. He was very, he was better on defense than offense in this game. But, but still, that's the personnel you want. If you force a switch, Giannis is obviously going to Food City. There's gonna be space for somebody there. Blake, although he did get up for a nice putback, he's not the athlete he once was. Giannis fake cutting, like, I, I know Chris likes to throw some lobs, but if they attempted a lob there and it didn't work, I would have just had the biggest I'm telling you, right Chris now. can throw lobs, just not in the fourth quarter. Or to Giannis. Yeah. If it was Brooke Lopez, yeah. it would have been a lob. Dunk. Slam dunk. Nah, we, sure. We've seen some botched Chris Brooke lobs in the yeah, fourth quarter, too. Please. I just I maintain that Chris Middleton, if he's throwing a lob, if it's in the first three quarters, it is absolute money. Highlight play. If it's in the fourth quarter, it's a terrible decision. Terrible decision because it will not connect whatsoever. Go check the tape. <laughs> check the tape. Yeah, maybe maybe that's why he just kind of sat there and it looked like his controller died when Giannis was cutting. He just kind of <laughs> chilled and kept dribbling. And kind See, of my thing is, play. my thing is, why are they trying to be so cute with it? That, that's like, exactly what I said. Like, just run the play. You don't have to do it. You like, don't even need to do that. You could do something extremely simple, which is something you were doing the entire game which is clear out and let Giannis go one-on-one. Yeah. That's it. Like, I get the Brooklyn Nets at the end of the game, tail end of the game, they finally started to adjust a little bit, and they were sending Kevin Durant as a help defender when Giannis was going to work down low, and he making life a little bit difficult in terms of getting passes out there. But that's still a really good play. That's a high percentage play, especially considering what's happened throughout the course of the game. Not whatever they were trying to do there. I get Bud has some of it's, – it's, this is going to be a dumb statement on my part, but he has great ATL plays. Like, if you look at the efficiency of Bud ATL plays, they're, like, at the top of the league, I believe. Just, yeah, we all, saw the, the we all saw the tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all, yeah, yeah, they, yeah exactly. they don't work at the end of the games. That's what yeah. I want to say. Like, that, I, I'm saying something probably really dumb here. Uh, but it's – it's sometimes it just feel like they overcomplicate things. Like, they do way more – way more than they really need to. Like you could just, like you were saying, just run a Chris Giannis pick and roll with there's those two, uh, in those two defenders, in Blake Griffin and Kyrie Irving, those two are great defenders to be in that position if you're the Bucks, And then just clear out, space it out for, you know, Giannis and Chris to go to work. Or you could even, if you want to, you know, make it a little different, you can go like a Drew Chris, uh, Drew Giannis, excuse me, pick and roll. Just do something simple. Like it doesn't have to be this complicated. <laughs> Maybe I'm missing something. I'm not an NBA head coach. Sorry to disappoint people. But not like, yet. It does, not yet. Not, <laughs> probably not ever. <laughs> never, never say never. Yeah, but. Don't, don't put limits on your dreams, Ron. I, I actually <laughs> like that it was Chris in this situation just because Chris had the better game offensively than, than Drew. And I think the Bucks should be adaptive. But Giannis had a much better offensive game than both of them, so he needs to be more clearly involved. That's why I know – there were some people like, just like Chris Iso, and, and what's Kyrie going to do? And I think we saw what Kyrie is going to do on, on the play that happened or didn't happen. But um, get Giannis involved more when he's got 49 freaking points and has been basically unguardable all along. I think the ball pretty much needs to end up in his hands unless you run that pick and roll and they like the whole team converges to him basically and somebody else is just completely wide open. Otherwise, I just want the ball in Giannis's hands or at least on the way to them in that play. But really, I think the worst part was that, like, just nothing happened for such a long time. And I get you're running down the clock, but if there's going to be more than, like, two seconds left no matter what, and I think the Nets had three points something or whatever, like, the score to me is more important than the extra second or two of clock. Because if you go up two possessions, I think you're – I don't know the math on this, but I would assume your win probability up five with six seconds left is That's much better. That's basically game. 
Yeah, then up three with three seconds left. Like, it's just, it seems obvious to me. I could be wrong, but I, I feel good about that. And I would rather get the good play. And it just felt like the Bucks were not in, they were not ready to do anything. Like, Giannis, I don't know if that was part of the script or not, but the fake cut and then circling, he took his time getting back to set the screen. It took so much time, there was barely even time left for a pick and roll. And then, you know, we all saw what happened. So it's just one of those, like, if they execute something and it doesn't work, that's one thing. Like, actually looking back, the Giannis falling over against the Suns is one of their better late-game box plays because the idea was solid. It just didn't work. But this was like they didn't even do anything. It was like the Warriors won where they couldn't even inbound the ball. And, again, they, they pull it out. They still win. We're gonna People are going to clip just this part. We're going to sound too negative. But it's like you need to at least do something. Like, they didn't manage to do anything. And that's going to be a big problem in the playoffs. It has been in the regular season, too. It's just, like, disappointing, even in such a positive game, that we had this glaring mistake late that totally could have cost them. Like, KD's last-second look was a pretty good look for KD. Yeah, it really was. Like, he had P.J. Tucker draped over him as best as he could. I did not like Giannis on the inbounds on that play, by the way. I mean, like... I guess. Who did you want? I, do you want like Axel Tupan? I, guess I don't he was care. Out, I don't, but like, you know, do you remember the end of Celtics Raptors when Brad Stevens put in Taco Fall and it was still a game winner for the Raptors? I don't care about the inbounder anymore. I don't think it makes enough of a difference. Put whoever out there doesn't matter to me. I, I love that you can just think of that off the top of your head. That is incredible. I just I don't care about inbound defense after that. It, it didn't work then. It didn't work in this situation. It just I don't think it works that well. Like. Good inbounders are going to get it over anyone if they can get it over freaking Taco Fall. So get Giannis out there in a position to put his hands up in front of KD instead of putting his hands up in front of the inbounder. We got a question uh, from Deepak here. Joined in late. Not sure if we discussed this. Do you think Giannis should have guarded Durant throughout the fourth, especially when Tucker was in foul trouble? I do think this is probably the last piece of the, the various questions about who should guard the Nets' big three that we haven't touched on. So, the, the brief synopsis of what we said so far is it has to be a rotation. You have to give all of those guys different looks, focus chiefly on Durant, and, and show him two defenders often. I'm interested in your take, Rohan. Personally, I like that Giannis continued to be one of the secondary defenders coming over to help on KD. I think that made KD's life a little more complicated than just if Giannis was guarding him straight up. Like, I, I don't know... I could see my mind changing on this if KD starts to cook whoever is guarding him, which will happen at times. But I, I kind of like that Giannis was a secondary defender, especially because in that role, he only picks up two fouls all game, which is a consideration here. But I think even just strictly on defense, I like having Giannis as the... I will say, I do think that is the correct strategy for the majority of the game. I do. I want to see Giannis on KD for at least a couple possessions at the end of the game because we saw them, you know, at least do that for one possession at the end of the game, and it ended with a block. Like, that's yeah. what happens. Like, Giannis is the only guy on the team who can, can get, who can contest, excuse me, KD's release point. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's the only guy maybe in the league that can do that, aside from maybe Taco. Actually, no, KD's going to get too much separation on Taco. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, why are we talking about taco? Fall? A lot of, a lot of, a lot of taco fall references, uh, in this pod. Um, but no, yeah. I, yeah, Just, you know, I, maybe, maybe sometimes I did want it on the end of the last place. So I guess I will see sometimes at the very end. I do think that is probably generally the play with Giannis on defense. It's help defender for most of the game and then crunch time. Maybe, maybe put him out there and say, you got to beat our best guy straight up if you want to score here. Yeah, especially because we know that Giannis is like a capable isolation defender. Given that's not his strong suit, his strong suit is as a help defender. That's how he, you know, is defensive player of the year, not as an isolation defender, but as a help defender because he is the best help defender in the league. However, he is still a great isolation defender, especially on a guy like Kevin Durant. Like those two are just aliens, and what's the best <laughs> way to guard an alien is probably with another alien, right? So I would think so. <laughs> late in games, like. Giannis is probably the best matchup. If you're just going straight one-on-one, which is what Brooklyn likes to do, that's how they beat these teams. They lull teams into going one-on-one the entire game because they know that they have the players capable of doing that. They challenge the other teams to do that. And give like Milwaukee had an answer for that tonight. But if you're talking straight defensively, 
that's what they're going to do late in games. Like, it's going to be a Kevin Durant isolation. That's going to be the call at the end of the game. It's not that difficult to predict. If you're doing that, why set up for different rotations or anything? If, you, if you're the Bucks and you know that Brooklyn is going to do that at the end of the game, put your best guy on their best guy. Like, that's what they should do at the end of the games. Not saying the entire game, but for a couple possessions late in the game, Giannis on KD is a good matchup for the Bucks. I do think the reason I don't feel stronger about more of that is just because Drew and PJ, and to a lesser extent Chris Middleton, did such a good job on KD in this game. Although, I think it'll matter more to have Giannis on him some when the Nets are at full strength and you also have Harden to account for, right? Like, I think then, then suddenly at the end of games, you can put Giannis on KD and I would assume P.J. Tucker on Harden, which is just going to make for some epic moments because of their shared time on the Rockets, and Drew on Kyrie. And then suddenly you can switch any actions with those three guys and still have one of your best three defenders involved. That is the, the P.J. Tucker difference for this team, and I think that's when it starts to make more sense. Like, make the Nets involve a lesser offensive player in the action if you if they're going to get one of your lesser defensive players on them. As a result, and not that Chris is bad, but I think those three guys, Giannis, Drew, PJ, easily the best ones. And I do think, yeah, I, I could see then, like, when Harden is playing, it's probably going to be more important late to have Giannis on KD. Because then, I mean, if you can switch comfortably any action with any of those three players, you have to feel pretty good about being able to guard the Nets. And the Bucks are in a position where reasonably, they can guard any of those guys reasonably well after any combination of switches. Those three, if Giannis, Drew, and PJ are guarding all three of them, that is like that is like what the Bucks have gone up against in postseason pass against the Miamis and Torontos. It's a good feeling to have that much capable wing defense. That is why I'm very high on this Bucks team in terms of potential in a matchup with the Nets. I predicted them to necessarily go to the finals in a previous episode, which you know, means probably going through Brooklyn. Like, I think this Bucks team matches up very well, as well as any other team can possibly do against the Nets. And I think they really do have a chance. Let's, let's, let's wrap the Brooklyn talk on that. Do you think after this game that the Milwaukee Bucks have a good chance to win or to beat this Brooklyn team in the playoff matchup as currently constructed? I think they have as good of a chance as anyone else does really? in the NBA. So you think... So you think the Bucks are as suited to play the Nets as Philly? I think they're better suited. I think I think Brooklyn so that's not the Philly same look chance, bad. Then I said as good. Yeah, I said anyone in the NBA. I said anyone in the NBA. Okay. Okay. Not anyone. Not anyone in the East. I think they have the best chance in the East to beat the Nets. I think they have as good of a chance as anyone else in the NBA, just because most of these other teams in the West, I think, are quite good just don't have the, the personnel to stick on KD, Harden, and Kyrie like the Bucks do. I think that is the advantage of P.J. Tucker, and that's why the Bucks are probably look a little deceptively worse than they are because they haven't gotten much P.J. and Giannis and Drew games this season. They're in a Nets-like situation. Obviously, Nets have better players and you know higher-profile names. But the and Bucks more timeness. Yeah, and more time missed total, but the Bucks only got PJ at the halfway mark. So they, they, they've only had him and Giannis out there without Brooke Lopez for, I don't know what it is after tonight, but like probably 50 some minutes. Um, so I think, I think they can do it. I think they have a chance. I, I don't, I don't think I would favor them, but after this game and the first game, I think they do have a chance, but it is a little ominous. All the things it took for Milwaukee to pull out that game. Again, no James Harden. I think the Bucks looked and really no good Bobby for most Portis. of the game. And no Bobby Portis, um, who unfortunately probably won't be allowed to play in crunch time anyway. Oh, and um, no Axel Tupan either. Yes. Um, this huge, un- incalculable loss. Hey, there's that inbound the defense you're talking about. Maybe, maybe if they have Axel on the inbounds, the game's over right there. Who, who can say? There was a five-second violation on Brooklyn earlier in the game. Um, one quick question, and I think, Instead of trading stocks, we never did the stocks after this game, so maybe we should just do the stocks live to close the show. But I have a question first. The Bucks now 2.5 back of both Philly and Brooklyn. If Milwaukee wins on Tuesday, they would own tiebreakers over both teams. Do you have any faith, or any, not even faith, do you think there's any way the Bucks end up the first seed at this no. point? No. 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 
it's 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 too much ground to make up in sort of a short amount of time, especially when we've seen this team be unserious against bad teams. Like, they're going to yeah. blow another game. Like, you, you yeah. have to take that as a given at this point. Or maybe not. Maybe maybe I'm out of line here, but they're also going to be no, resting I, guys. I don't think you're out of line. I mean, look, the rest of their schedule after that book, so this assumes they win the Brooklyn game, hypothetical. The rest of their schedule sucks. Wizards, home, Rockets, home, Spurs, The Rhodes. Wizards are good. Right now. We'll, we'll see how, how that lasts. But Spurs on the road, Magic at home, Pacers on the road, who the Pacers are suddenly like maybe not even going to make the play in, Heat at home, Bulls on the road. So it's like two good teams in that slate. If you can – like Washington and Miami are the good teams. And that's not – that's pretty rough. Um, those are probably the only two teams that are even going to be in play in contention. Pacers are the close, other one who's closest. Um so a bad schedule remaining should be a cupcake, but I agree with you. The Bucks have not been serious enough. They could easily be in a position right now to where it's like they win that Nets game on Tuesday and they're in the driver's seat for home court because it's like you're a game up if you have the tiebreaker. They could have the tiebreaker over both of these teams. They might still get there and they might still be third because of the blown games against the Houstons of the world, which does sting. And I was a little frustrated watching this game Watching the Bucks look this good and thinking of how like many times. You just times. have to do that for 10 minutes. Like, yeah, you don't have to do that the entire team. game. Yes, just exactly. do it for a quarter, and it's fine. Like, that Houston team sucks. <laughs> like, the, the Rockets game, the Hawks game, the Warriors game. Like, there are so many. The Suns. Just, just in the last month that are like, wow, that was a completely winnable game, even if the team was good completely winnable game. All you had to do was not actively blow it, and that's what the Bucks did. I mean, if they win, what, three of those games? They're 43-21 and 21 right now? They're in first place. Like, that, that's the difference. So that absolutely stings. I do think first seed in the East is such such a luxury this year. There were actually some people saying the Bucks should have blown their Nets game to let Philly get the first seed. That's too much jockeying. for The basketball gods usually they would hate you it. for jockeying Yeah, they, they would hate that. And also, they need the tune-up opportunities. They need these reps. Like we already mentioned, PJ and Giannis have barely played together this season, and the rest of the schedule is unserious. I think you need to take the Nets games entirely seriously. Do you remember when the Jazz would just constantly try to tank out of playing Houston, and then they would end up playing Houston, and then just get blown out? Yes. Like uh, that, I, that's I agree what with that, happen. too. Basketball gods frown upon such antics. For sure. Um, but, yeah, it's... I'm feel. I guess I really didn't answer my own question here. Uh, oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> or your question, really? Well, I did. I answered your question. I think the. I think the Bucks really do not have a chance to get the one seed. But no, I feel. Not. I feel good about their chances in the postseason to make the finals. This is. This has the making of a classic. You know, regular season team that sort of doesn't doesn't really get it together in the regular season but is playoff ready. They put it together in the playoffs. We've seen that happen time and time again against teams like Milwaukee who are having tons of regular season success, winning every game, and not really you know, taking taking all of the big-time matchups. Like Their losses come against these big-time teams. So I think this Bucks team is more playoff ready than they have been in this era. They're highly motivated. They have demons they need to get out of the skeletons. They need to get out of the closet, exercise their demons. I missed up two, yeah. two things yeah. there, but I brought it back. <laughs> and I think they have a great chance. I would, I will stick with my pick that they make the finals. I'm not there yet. It was a great game. And I like the fact that we're seeing the Bucks play well against Eastern Conference top flight competition. Not the same against the, the Western Conference That's why top I said flight competition. Make the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, but, it is comforting to see them play well against Brooklyn, play well against Philly. Uh, I just the inconsistencies still bother me, even if it's teams they won't see in the playoffs. So I, I still don't think they're going to make the finals. I feel a little better about it after this game, though. I will say that they they move the needle, my needle, a little bit, but not quite enough yet. You know how they can move it more? Don't blow a game against the Bulls or the Spurs or whoever else. Like I just. You know, it's those little wizards. things. It's those little things in a seven-game series that make such a huge difference. And I just right now can't trust the Bucks to capitalize on enough little things to beat the Nets, who just have a much wider margin because of their top-end talent. Okay, let's. Uh, oh no, I'm not. 
not said said picture of this team with Bob. No, 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 no. Stop living in the past. <laughs> Block your exes on Instagram. I mean, if you're still friends, you don't have to. But in this in this situation, this particular use that analogy a lot, Ty. What's going on? Don't worry about it. All right, stop. <laughs> Uh, Giannis up. Yeah. Two? Giannis up two. Giannis up two? two sure. All the jumpers, I think? The jumpers for me, and just the consistency and how well you played. Like, no, it just, it looked too easy. Yeah. Not even yeah, too I, easy. I, that puts a negative connotation on it. It looked very easy for Giannis tonight. He did not have to work at all to get to his spots, get to where he wanted to go. We talked a little bit ago, uh, a couple episodes ago, about what happens when teams sort of go one-on-one against Giannis. No team ever does that. The Nets We saw why. And we we saw saw what happened. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when you don't send multiple guys at Giannis the entire game. Like, people tend to realize, oh, man, teams can just load up against Giannis, and that's like, oh, he's a limited player. Well, yeah, your entire team is guarding one player. Like, that's not really an indictment on Giannis. People like to fetishize Dame sort of drawing double teams and try to compare which point guard is sort of getting more double teams as a sort of comparison to, oh, man, this guy's better than this guy sort of thing. Giannis draws the entire team night after night, and one team goes one-on-one against him for the majority of the game. I will say they did not at the end of the game. And he just torched them. He put up a season-high 49 points. So, yeah, two upstocks, to be honest. Also, just, like, along these lines, that's why I want to see more Bryn, too, is because if they are bringing the whole team, I want guys who you really trust. Shooters. You need, you need real shooters out there. Dante, just not that. Um, Chris Middleton up one. Yeah. Very good game. Uh, no, I think just one. 11 for 21 from the field. Fault, I think no third quarter points, I believe. Uh, Which you don't like to see. I think I, I mean, you can't listen. He made up for it in the fourth quarter, but no third quarter yeah, points. One shot in the third quarter. Yeah. See, that's, that's good game, not a great game. Still one up stock for Chris Middleton. Uh, Brooke Lopez push or down one? I think push for Brooke. I think push. Push is fine. He had, I, he was in a hard situation. At, yeah. He had a down stock at the beginning of the game. He sort of made up for it. It wasn't entirely his fault. The Bucks were down by Portis. PJ Tucker was in foul trouble. It's tough. I'd say push. Yeah, because I think I think his offense was bad, but actually his defense was like neutral to good, or at least good enough to not get a down stock. I thought he he hustled out there. He he earned the no movement. Um, Drew Holiday upstock. Yeah, defense comfortably. Comfortably, yeah, defensive oriented upstock. Um, Dante down. Yeah, yeah, pretty comfortably. We'll say one uh, on the same uh, on the same defense versus offense thing. The defense was better than it has been in recent games, which the Bucks needed. They also needed more than the goose egg on offense from a starter. For sure. I think Pat is probably down. It's tough, man. I mean, listen, he got cooked some possessions. He's one for two. There's only only shots with threes. He made one of them, three points, two rebounds, two assists, three steals and a block, one turnover, one foul. It's he was not, just maybe, getting cardio out there, but he's Pat Cotton. Like, what do you want from him? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a push. Maybe a push. people say I don't. I don't grade Pat harshly enough. Maybe it should be a down stock, but I'm just. I'm not seeing. Ty, the market stock. doesn't cave to opinion. I guess, uh, but mine or theirs? Does yeah, to our, to ours. Yeah, ours. Yeah, case to ours, but this is our market. So shush. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying. I'm saying Pat's a push. I mean, you want more scoring from your tertiary players, sure, but he was not the only one. I think. I don't. I don't. Push. Just push. Yeah, let's just do Jeff push. Teague down. Too hard. Yeah, Teague is down. Teague down. Brent Forbes up? I'd say Brent Forbes up for sure. Good defense on Kyrie Irving one time, which is like, we know those one good possessions will stick out in, in Bucks fans' heads. What was it? Thon Maker guarding Blake once. Detroit Blake. No, DJ like, Wilson. Oh, yeah, DJ Wilson. Oh, well, what am I thinking? DJ Wilson. Yeah, Thon got it. Everybody won. Hey, no, Thon, Thon had that one possession against the Raptors in the playoffs where he just was moving his feet laterally. I know all Bucks fans can, yeah. a lot of Bucks fans can imagine exactly what play I'm talking about, which speaks to my point. Didn't he have, like, an insane amount of blocks in that game? Oh, he did in that playoff series? See, that's was, I, play, I, playoff Thon was born then. I, I married I married the two things together. I put playoff Thon on Blake, but now, yeah, that was DJ Wilson. Um <laughs> uh, enough said. Um, PJ Tucker, I don't know, up? 
Uh, yeah. Defense was good. Defense was good, he but also a fouled a ton. Didn't really contribute too much on offense. So I'd say I'd say neutral. I do think this this like going through this I think is helpful because I do feel like it just reiterates the need for some Portis because there's just so many players on this team outside of the big three and Forbes are like you just expect them to have less five points or less, right? Like it's not out of the ordinary for at least these bench guys like Tucker, Teague, and Pat, like you're not counting on them for more than five points on any given day. So if they're all slightly below average, you might get, like tonight, eight points out of all three of them. That's why it's crucial to have a guy who can just score in Portis. And obviously Dante's floor is zero and ceiling is like a 1,000, and Brooke Lopez can swing pretty wildly too. Like Dante's – or not Dante. Uh, Portis's consistent scoring is so beneficial to this team. Yeah, I agree. Push for P.J. Push for PJ. I don't think anyone else. We we went through everyone, right? Yeah, that's everyone. That's everyone. No one so else yeah, I'm up two. Chris up one. Drew up one. Dante down one. Teague down one. Forbes up one. Is the the stock situation? I kind of like doing it live. That was fun. Yeah, it was. Okay, this has been an episode, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. Do we have anything Wide else ranging. we need to mention here? I think that's it. I mean, go Bucks! It was great to see the Bucks yeah, beat yeah, another just, good let's team. Let's that. That was that was incredible. That was an incredible display from the Bucks. That was also a Giannis no nap game, by the way. Maybe he's kicked that demon. Yeah, I think he has. I feel like this season he's been pretty damn good in day games. I think you know what it is. Now that he has a kid, he just is used to never sleeping. So I feel like True. that's that's the new norm for him now. He's but like we did learn you know, that his brothers moved in with him uh, to help take care of Liam. Just we learned that on the broadcast. Just. Incredible. Keeping up with the athletic from, uh, from Rachel Nichols. Be, that was incredible. That was. That was, yeah. No, that that is awesome. But yeah, I think uh, I think we have to thank Liam for Giannis not being bad in day games anymore. Oh yeah. Like, Liam was in the building too. He had to show out. Oh yeah, of course. It's it's like the Hulk saying, "I'm always angry." Giannis is always tired now, so it's all good. Yeah. Oh man, that was just that was a ton of fun from a basketball perspective. We have not seen a game like that from the Bucks in a while, so that was great to see. Hope everyone listening live here on Locker Room. We do this live on Locker Room every Sunday, so make sure you give us a follow on Locker Room. Uh, if you are listening to this as a podcast, thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. If you're on Apple, leave a rating tweeted at us. We'll appreciate that greatly. Again, if you're live on Locker Room here with us, thank you very much for staying here. Make sure you check out all of the content across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network. Stay safe, everyone. Get vaccinated if you can. And we will talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.